I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP Show. My intention is that you listen to the stories of these MVP guests and are inspired to become an MVP and bring value to the world through your skills. If you have not checked it out already, I do a YouTube series called How to Become an MVP. The link is in the show notes. With that, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from the USA. She works as an independent consultant for Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. She was the first awarded her MVP in 2022, so nice and new. She has a podcast called The Dynamics Hot Dish, and we're going to uncover and talk a bit about that on the show. You can find full links to her podcast, LinkedIn, Twitter, bios, things like that in the show notes for this episode. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Good to have you on. I always like, you know, starting off, and I've, I've had so many MVPs through the show, and many nowadays that I've never met. And, you know, back when we had MVP summits and things like that, I used to meet everybody in person. It's been, what, three or four years since that's happened. Tell me a bit about food, family, and fun. What part of the U.S. are you located in? What do you do when you're not doing Microsoft technology stuff? Yeah, so I'm actually based out of Wisconsin, uh, so I have a fun Midwestern nasally accent that'll be uh, very noticeable throughout our conversation. Um, So yeah, so I do things that I would say are typical to probably the Midwest. I spend a lot of time at home working on my home. I bought a house actually during the pandemic, perfect time to move. Um, So fixing that up is a 70-year-old house, so I'm spending a lot of time doing some renovations and fixing up the outside, things like that. Um, I love sports, as most normal Americans do. I like to cook, read, travel. Um, I've been starting to pick up traveling quite a bit. Um, I've been to like 45 states. Um, would love to travel more internationally. Um, but but yeah, trying to see at least what we have here in America since it's so big and diverse and have enjoyed that. Such a smart move. So if you've seen 48, what are still on your bucket list to do? Within the states or Yeah, within the states because 48, what, is there 52 states from memory? There's 50 states. I've been to 45. There's there's Um, 50 states. Okay. Yep. So I have not been to Alaska or Hawaii. Um, Alaska would be number one on my bucket list. Um, I'm from Wyoming, so I feel like Alaska is probably very similar, um, you know, in the geography and things like that. Um, I've not been to Alabama or Mississippi, so like the deep south, and then of all places, Vermont um, in the northeast, so kind of spread out all over. Wow. So I've been to two of the places on your bucket list then still to okay. do. I've been to Mississippi and I've done Hawaii. I did Hawaii after the last MVP summit that was in person, so on the way back home, because you know New Zealand, where I'm located, is very bottom of the world. 
it was nicer to go from Seattle to Hawaii, spend a week in Hawaii, and then Hawaii back to New Zealand. Then, um, yeah, I was say it's kind of on yeah. your way, so why yeah, not? Yeah, exactly, stop? exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I want to go back to Hawaii, I loved it. Um, great place. And I love Mississippi. I've been to Mississippi quite a few times because Microsoft used to run quite a few of their conferences um, there. So this is this is a Biz Apps conferences years ago. So yeah, been there a few times. Tell us about Dynamics Hot Dish. Yeah, so that kind of started. Um, well, it was three of us. Um, we're, we've been friends in the space and, um, I would say that's one of the cool things about the dynamics world is I would say a lot of my closest friends are from these conferences that we go to, like you said, conferences and these shared interests. I think we all like live, love and breathe this technology. And so I have, um, two friends. Um, they're also based here in the Midwest. They're in Minneapolis and we would get on the phone and talk about dynamics and we're like, you know what, maybe some, like maybe other people could enjoy and learn about what we're talking about. And so thought we'd give it a shot and just, you know, kind of record conversations we'd have anyways. And um, so, yeah, so that's how it started. It started in the pandemic. We were at home, you know, kind of missing that connection with people. So, um, so definitely started that. We've actually revamped over the summer. We took the summer off. We needed some time after posting like 70 weeks in a row, we were like, I know I, I was take like, take a break. <laughs> I was blown away. Like uh, one, a couple of things that I never have done on my podcast, which is break it into seasons. And I see you've broken into seasons, which I think, you know, it might be something I, I need to address or do going forward. But after five years of just going for pod, you know, doing podcasts, I've, I probably need to relook at that, but I was blown away by how many you've done because I see, you know, people get into podcasting and they're like, Hey, that's a, you know, a great thing. And if you look at the stats, a lot of people don't make it past five podcasts ever. Right. Yeah. I So we kind of looked at the numbers in this past spring. We were like, you know what, let's take a summer off. Let's go back to school, take a summer off, you know, kind of rethink about how we want to do it. And then we all have side projects, right? We all have things that we work on. Um, we were all work with a nonprofit called TechFluent. Um, Liz actually started that. It uh, provides uh, technical, mainly power platform and dynamics training to marginalized communities here in the US. Um, the goal is to kind of decrease the wage gap. Um, there's a lot of diversity issues in the tech world, um, in especially in the U.S. So that's the goal of that. And our first cohort was so successful. I think we had a 70% graduation rate. Um, yeah. And, and I think we were aiming for like 20, 30, you know what I mean? Let's, you know, it was the first one. So Liz has actually decided to dedicate full time to the nonprofit to help it grow. Um, we have over 100 applicants already for our next cohort in March. And, um, so yeah, so now the podcast is just me and Merlin. Um, and so we continue, we want to continue it. We're both still involved in TechFluent, but just taking like kind of a less of a role to kind of split. Cause it was a lot last year. I would, I'll, I'll say probably the last before summer, those like eight months were, were rough. <laughs> we were all trying to do too much. So yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit about how your cohorts run. How long does it run for? Um, what, what's involved in the, the TechFluent side of things? Yeah. So the, the cohorts are six months, um, and it's trainings, a full day trainings on Mondays and Fridays. 
Um, and so there's a, I would say there's an interview process application interview for the, the learners to make sure it's a good fit for both sides. Um, and it's full day trainings. We offer not only technical skill training, we also offer, um, you know, oh my gosh, the, you know, soft skill training. So, you know, so because these are likely people who have never worked, you know, at a company, they've never worked in a professional type role. So we're teaching them things like negotiation, how to write emails, um, how to converse in meetings, how to take notes, um, things like that. It is, you know, because those are things I, I remember I worked at like a law firm in college. A lot of the things I learned then, it, you know, you just, you wouldn't learn on the job now. So, so yeah, so we do a lot of soft skill training. Um, they do two projects in order to graduate. Um, they do an internship as well, like kind of a on the job for about a month. And then they also have to pass two certifications in order to graduate. So we provide them all of the training and um, we have amazing volunteers. We started with zero content, just a dream and a plan of here's what we think people should know. And we had an amazing group of volunteers step up and take topics and create all the content themselves. So everything flowed together. We had uh, we had mentors all around the world. We actually had some mentors in Europe, um, you know, fit the U.S. hours into their schedule. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a pretty cool thing. And I love to see, I mean, diversity in tech being a woman in the tech industry is I'm very passionate about it. So really excited to see how this grows and and the difference we can make. It's so good. It's so good. How, talking about diversity, how did you get into tech yourself? How, you know, what was that journey for you? What were you doing? How, where did you first land with, you know, in tech? And then was there a stepping stone to getting to specifically Microsoft tech as in the biz app side of things or power platform um, or dynamics? Uh, accidental. <laughs> I think you'll see that with a lot of people, um, especially, you know, 10, 13. I, it's been a little over 13 years since I've been in this industry. Um, back then, it was all accidental. Um, I was in marketing. I was a marketing professional. I graduated with that in college. Um, and so I was doing social marketing and internet marketing and websites. And my boss was like, oh, you log into CRM on the website. Let's make that part of your role and fell in love with it. So I started as like just entering data manually from like a book of lists to, hey, did you know you can do sales processes? And then 2011 came out and I was like, wow, look at these pretty dashboards and took training. Um, so I fell into it accidentally and then just really saw the future and like what you could, I kind of saw that there was going to be a big need for people that would become experts in it. And I I, I say, I, I, I got lucky <laughs> because Back then, there was not such a thing as a CRM admin. Um, it was kind of just whoever had extra time in the sales or marketing department. And um, I, I made a career out of it. So I've always traditionally kind of been on the user side, the customer side as an admin or manager of a team, that kind of thing. So you must have started what, CRM 4? Yeah, 4.0. Yeah, so wow, been that's around a, that's a while. A, a good long time. Have you, have you now, are you doing more in dynamics day to day or are you doing more in the power platform where you're building and I'll make the distinction like this because you know the dynamics ultimately sits on the power platform but um building apps from scratch rather than extending a first party app what's so definitely sorry definitely the the dynamic side um 
that is my specialty. I would say I specialize in sales. Um, I've been working with sales teams since the beginning, marketing, a little bit of customer service. Um, and I've actually am starting to, to get into project operations. Um, that has a nice bridge over to like finance, BC, things like that. So um, I would say definitely the first party apps. I, I'm not, I, I, there's parts of the power platform that I'm not, I don't love like power automate as a non-developer. It's, it's tough for me to get on board. I see the value. Um, but yeah, power apps, um, understanding where canvas apps would come in. Um, and then power BI, uh, I get into as well. You know, as in some years ago, I was actually living in London at the time and I wrote a blog post um, about Dynamics 365 sales and and I basically inferred that it was 20-year-old technology and Microsoft hadn't done any investments in it. Um, And, you know, keeping in mind, I built my entire career. I started with Dynamics Serum 1.2. Uh, around it. And what I was doing was saying that, you know, isn't it time? And of course, what we've seen in the last 24, 36 months is massive new functionality, whether it be around forecasting, whether it be around like the latest things with um, sales calls or the auto creation of your sales notes and activity. So voice coming into the mix for salespeople that allow, you know, we've seen the, like the high velocity type selling um, ability with sequences and things come out. What's been the kind of highlight in the last three or four years, the real, the feature that you're like, if you're going to demo to a client, you're going to show them this feature because it's awesome. Um, It's a mix between the forecasting. So I love that you brought that up because I remember the days where you had to build forecasting using the goals and you're like one by one manually creating all these goals and metrics and it was terrible. So I'd say the forecasting is probably number one, but all of the AI features. So anything that you can do with like analyzing notes, emails, um, prepping, you know, hey, you haven't even opened this opportunity for three days. Maybe you should open it and take a look. Um, all of the AI stuff is is phenomenal um, and probably the most exciting part of just dynamics in general, even on the marketing side. It's kind of creepy what it can do, but it's it's really changing the world. And I think it's a big differentiator with Microsoft and Dynamics to Salesforce and other tools. How have you found the split out of, you know, when you started, you had Dynamics, what was called CRM back then, and it included customer service, it included sales, and it included marketing. And of course, now we have sales, customer service, and this whole separate application that's been built around marketing, um, quite different than the fork that happened between customer service and sales, right? Splitting out. What's been that, you know, uh, what's been your observation of that kind of split into three different products over the years? Well, it's allowing people to get more focused. I think people would get confused on, okay, where does this fit into here um, and bring things in or people would try to do too much at one time. I'd say that's probably always the failure of any implementation is that they'd say, oh, cool, we have all three. So let's work on all three. Now you're able to kind of segment and um as a customer, you're able to to prioritize. Um, what I what is interesting to me is how it's all the one same database on the back end, right? It's Dataverse, um, but it is very different to implement them now. You know, it's not like you just stand up the one and it's really easy to stand up the others. They are very segmented and different. Um, 
which I don't know if that's good or bad, right? It's good that there's distinction and differentiation. Like I'm even working on project operations, like I said, and that is a very different setup than than sales um, while they're still connected, right? Because you take an opportunity and turn it into a contract, um, you know, and then that creates a project. So it's it's an interesting model, but I think it was the direction that it needed to go um, just to kind of separate yeah, I would say separate the the ability to to take on too much at one time or um, split the rules. So that that's interesting. You raise project operations there, and it's been you know it the project project management from Microsoft's point of view has bounced around a few different areas over the time. Right? It was traditionally an ERP or an AX back in the day. Then. When, you know, the predecessor to the Dataverse came out, we saw a project move into whatever that underlying kind of rev was, pre-CDS even, um, uh, world. And then my understanding, and this is where I get, you know, not clear because I haven't, you know, spent any time in the last three years in this area. Is it back as part of Dynamics 365 Finance as in a module of that? Because if it is, you talked about transitioning a order, sorry, a uh, an a sales opportunity into that system. Are you kind of using like virtual records for that, or virtual entities, or or is it there a seamless connector between those two systems? Yeah, so it's actually not a part of of finance. So it is actually, I would say, technically in the CE family now. Is, is it still in date? So is DataVerse is the underlying? Yep. Wow. It's in Dataverse. Yeah. So it's in Dataverse um, and it shares, you know, yeah, it shares with the sales. So um, you actually do need to create an integration between either BC or FNO or FNSCM, whatever they're calling it these days. You do need to actually build the integration between those two systems to PO. It's not, you know, you just use the, you know, the out of the box, whatever integration tool. But yeah, it's actually part of Dataverse. um, And it's a really seamless easy transition from sales over to PO now. Um, it's really cool. It's way better than PSA ever was. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was interesting product. Um, I try to run a large practice on it in its early days because I was always early adopter and um, yeah, we had some challenges back then. Is there still any integration then as an out-of-the-box integration between that and uh, what... I don't even know what its current name is. Microsoft Project, you know, the actual desktop application that used to exist that had a server component. Is that being bought in? Is it now a single story or is it? It it's so not with the desktop app, but they've actually come out with Project Online. And so when you worked with when you work with project operations, you actually embed Project Online is embedded within the tool. So you can work either in project operations or you can open it up in your browser and just work right in project. Um, so it's it's a really interesting, you know, direction that they're taking. I think that eventually they'll probably get rid of even just the desktop version of project. I think they're moving more towards just the browser-based items. Um, but the, there are some problems with that, though, because some data lives only in project and not in the dataverse because of that embed. Um so still some kinks to work out, but there, I noticed there's they made a ton of changes even in, in Wave 2 this year um, to project operations. So they are investing a lot into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's definitely a key tool in market. 
Um, so interesting. Tell us about becoming an MVP. How was that for you? Um, I hate to say it was like a long time coming and I had these dreams like eight years ago, like, yeah, I'm going to be an MVP and this is my goal. And then kind of just was like, you know what? It's, I worked really hard. I would say like eight years ago, six, eight years ago. And then I kind of was like, you know what? I need to find just something I enjoy doing and it'll just come naturally. And that was the advice. I talked to a lot of MVPs at that time and they were like, find something you enjoy and then it'll come. Don't work so hard. It shouldn't be like you're working hard to be an MVP. It should just come naturally with what you enjoy doing. And so I kind of found um, that I liked helping people. I mentor a lot of people, especially new admins into the space, um, you know, with the podcast. And those are all things that I enjoy. And so honestly, when it came and when, you know, Matt Beard, um, big shout out to Matt for nominating me. Um, he was like, I'm sure you know Matt really well at Data8. Um, he was like, hey, I'm nominating you. And it kind of came as a surprise. Like I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't you know, so it was kind of like whatever MVP said, when you're not looking for it, that's when it'll come, uh, when you find what you enjoy in the space. And, and truly, I love the, what I like about what we do is that everybody wants you to succeed. So you can reach out to anybody and they will help you. Nobody will turn you away. Um, and I've really enjoyed that part of it. And I've really tried to embrace that. And so I would say that's, that's kind of the journey. And I always wanted to be an MVP as an end user. I think it's a lot more difficult to become an MVP when you work for a customer. Um, and I know Kylie did it, Kylie Kaiser. And I wanted to also, you know, you can do it. Like as an MVP, you know, as a customer, you can become an MVP. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. If you like the show and want to be a supporter, check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 guide. Thanks again and see you next time.